It's your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset College, underdog, and then one exclamation point. Pump the brakes! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is going to be a busy, busy Saturday show. There is a lot going on. So much so, in fact, Matt, that we are going to bump our summer position previews to start until next week. We've got baseball to wrap up. We've got Kese Tomanaga returning to Nebraska basketball. We've got schedules getting kind of thrown out there for you know half oh, yeah. five or six football games. You've got a, a little power move by athletic director Trev Alberts. I'm probably Slight. forgetting a bunch of stuff. Like there's so much that came. There out was the whole weekend. Big Ten debacle too with the schedules. Even yep. that, you know, the NBC. But look, I, SEC I want to... staying at eight games like the cowards they are. I, I will say this. I will say this. Position previews going to be elite this year. We got oh, yeah. some. We got some special things cooking. We're not going to reveal them now, but starting next week, yes. position previews. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun. D- different, different ish. Yep. Different ish from from what you've done in the past. I think this is my first time. Yep. Doing position previews with you, so be a good time. Yeah, we we are looking forward to that. We will bring those to you starting next week. We'll get you through the summer here on the Husker Hour. But first. We we don't have baseball to talk about anymore, sadly. The season ended in the semifinals last weekend at the Big Ten Tournament in Omaha, um, and we're going to wrap up that season and, and get a little baseball discussion in here. Uh, and we're going to do it with a special guest. Uh, here with us right now is uh, former Husker All-American, former Husker captain, and two-time College World Series participant Jeff Lysey. Jeff, thanks for joining us this morning on the KLIN Husker Hour. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining. And and I know this season kind of ended in a rough way, but what did you see from this team in twenty two in, in the twenty twenty three season that you're going to take away? How are you going to remember this squad? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, to me, it, it's an up and down team, um, and I can never quite put my finger on them. You know, I mean, I, I called them on on TV several times, and yeah. there were times they looked like a definite regional team. And times they, you know, looked like a, a bottom Big Ten type team, right? So you, you couldn't quite figure them out. It's, it, I would say, somewhat disappointing, you know, when you, you have the type of years that Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews had, and, and even Gabe Swanson, you know, had, had 18 home runs in the season. And uh, I mean, some of those years that you look at that are they're kind of wasted, um, so to speak. But um, they. They had a lot of potential. I felt like um, they, they competed, but they just obviously couldn't get quite enough wins. And to me, if you you win a few of those games that you probably should have, a couple of the midweek games, a couple of the early games, and, and they're they're probably a regional team. This this squad obviously didn't have the same team success that you guys in the early two thousands did, but you and and other guys on those teams were were all American level players, conference level players. Uh, in terms of the individual brilliance of Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews, tell me a little bit about what sticks out when you watch those two guys play ball. 
Yeah, I mean, just both had incredible seasons. Um, I mean, I feel like Max Anderson's a guy, he was born to hit, right? I mean, the guy just flat hits. He's done that every level. Um, he's done it every year. And, and uh, like I said, I mean, he's, he's a professional hitter. Uh, Bryce, Bryce Matthews is a tremendous athlete. Obviously, he, he probably didn't have quite the first couple of years that, that Nebraska would have would have loved, but total breakout year this year. And um, I mean, it, it was fun to watch both Max and Bryce this season. And, and I mean, several games they both hit home runs in. It felt like they were both kind of competing a little bit with each other. And um, I mean, I would say almost almost for sure too. Um, high draft picks that, that unfortunately for Nebraska fans, um, probably probably are, their playing days here are done. Jeff, Matt here. I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. Let's uh, stick with Max and Bryce. Both these guys uh, seem like shoe ins Go in, you know, to go in the MLB draft. Uh, not really known where they're going to go. We've seen the top, you know, 150 prospects, but you know, fifth round, fourth round, third round, whatever. But it's one thing to get drafted. It's another thing to to make the show. From your expert baseball eye, because I, you know you've forgotten more baseball than than I know, I'm sure of. So, what do you think these guys, both of them, have to improve on in order to get to the highest level? Yeah, so I think for both of them, I mean, there's an adjustment. You know, you go into to pro ball and an adjustment. I mean, you're obviously going to see really good arms day in and day out. But I think the the most interesting thing with both of them is what position they're going to play mm-hmm. the next level. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't know that either of them will be on the dirt. Um, I, I could see, I could see Max being a you know second baseman or third baseman, uh, but also could be like a first baseman, and, and somewhat it could depend kind of on what what he does with his frame and and you know does he does he get bigger and bulk up and be a corner guy or does he lean down a little bit and be more of like a, a second baseman or left fielder type guy? Um, I, I think Bryce Matthews is going to be an athlete. And, and again, I think you'll see him in price center or somewhere in the outfield is my guess. They might give him a shot at shortstop, but um, yeah, I, I think both of them, that, that's probably the biggest question mark is where they're going to play defensively at the next level. Yeah. Jeff, real quick on follow up on that short to center, you played in the outfield. Is that, do you think that'll be a difficult transition for Bryce? If you were to go out there? Y- yes and no. I mean, I, it, I'd say it's, Definitely easier to go from the infield to the outfield. Um, I mean, obviously, Alex Gordon's a great example, and, and um, I mean, he was a tremendous athlete and, and grew up playing third base, and then um, goes out and is, ends up being a major league Gold Glover in left field. But uh, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely doable. Bryce, a tremendous athlete, so I think I think if they do throw him out there, he'll be fine and, and he'll get get used to it. And it's just again, just taking a lot of reps and getting comfortable going and getting the ball in the outfield, but um, e- easier to make that than the other way around. Former Husker and current BTN baseball analyst Jeff Lisey joining us here to kind of put a bow on 2023 Husker baseball season. Jeff, you played with a guy in your uh, Husker days, uh, a guy named Will Bolt, may, uh, may recognize the name. Uh, the, based on what you know about the Husker head coach, what his temperament's like, what kind of player he was, and, and maybe even the interactions you've had with him since he's been a manager – What's going through his head after a season that went the way it did? What, what's he going to be focused on this offseason to make this program better next year? Yeah, I think it's just continuing to recruit players that, that uh, are going to get to that level that you want to be, right? And and obviously, I mean, he loves the guys they have, and I know he, he thinks highly of the guys they have, but it's like you got to continue to upgrade. you got to continue to push the level of competition. And 
Um, I think that's the focus now is, okay, you know, anymore with the transfer portal and everything else, you got to go get those guys. You got to go probably get a couple of JUCO guys. You got to continue to recruit high school kids. And, and uh, it's just trying to put together a roster that you feel like can compete. And I personally am not like a huge fan of the transfer portal and how all that stuff is these days, but at the same time, you got to embrace it as a coach. It's like, I would guess any top team these days, they, they, they probably feel a need to go certainly get a few. And, and some, you know, you see some teams get even seven to 10 transfer portal guys. And, and that's what makes up their team each year. Yeah. And speaking of Bolt, when, when you were playing with him, did, did he strike you as a guy that was kind of destined for coaching for, for being a, a manager and, and getting to this level? What, what was he like as a player and was he a vocal guy on the team? Yeah, definitely was a vocal guy. I mean, he was a captain. He's a leader. Like he, he's always been, I mean, just a baseball guy. Um, so I mean, he wasn't. I mean, Bolt obviously had talent and that sort of thing, but he's not your guy that is six four and runs a you know a six six sixty and hits the ball in the park all the time. Like mm-hmm. he was a grinder and a baseball guy and knew the game and a heady player, smart player, but also a big time competitor and and. Uh, just loves to play and compete, loves the game. And, and uh, you knew, I mean, playing with him back then, you knew that, that that's probably what he was going to do at some point in life. And, and he's uh, he's a real good coach, and they're, they're going to do good things. I still have a ton of confidence in what they're doing. And um, like, like I said, they're, they're still going to get better every year. Jeff, you know, there's going to be – well – you can say there'll probably be a lot of turnover on this team with with the draft picks that'll be stepping out, and you know you don't know with with Jace Kaminska very well could be out the door. He he could be coming back. He got other pitchers and other players who may not be as high of prospects as as Max and Bryce, but definitely could move on. You see, Corbin Hawkins has decided that he's going to step away from the game as well. Do you have any sort of outlook, early outlook on what this team can look like this season, or is this kind of a? Do you think this is a a, a uh, a roll of the dice in terms of who's going to be back for this Husker team next season. Yeah, that's kind of what I was just saying. I mean, I think anymore, just the nature of the beast is is that there is a lot of turnover, right? And and obviously, like you said, you're going to have kids that get drafted. You're going to have kids that, that leave the program. Um, you're going to have kids that hit the portal. Uh, so that's that's just the game. And and so then again, as as a coaching staff, you're always replacing guys, right? And and they've got to hit the portal themselves and um, it, I think, I think this time of year, if you looked, if you looked 10 or 20 years ago, this time of year, you'd probably have a pretty good idea of what your team's going to look like for next year. I think anymore this time of year, you don't really have a good idea. Even the teams that are still playing don't have an idea of, you know, again, who's going to get drafted, who's going to leave the portal and what they're going to get. So, uh, it's, it's tough to say. Um, I, I know again, they're, they're going to be aggressive with the recruiting and, and try and get the guys they like, and and you hope that uh, they'll be able to put the piece of the puzzle together and have a competitive team again next year. From a pitching perspective, you you felt pretty good about where you were Friday and Saturday, pretty early on in the season even, but they really struggled in finding a Sunday guy. Uh, they didn't necessarily have one particular guy they went to for closer role. Uh, Shea Shanneman was clearly the the I think best arm out of the bullpen, but he kind of pitched around different innings, just high leverage situations. 
how much of today's college game is is based upon establishing those roles early, and then if you can't do that, it, it kind of gets you in trouble. What, what, from your perspective, do you see as, as kind of the way that pitching can influence the college game today? Yeah, I mean, pitching's huge. I mean, ever since it became baseball, like, pitching's the name of the game. That's what's going to win you games. And like you said, I mean, they, they had a lot of arms with potential, and uh, some guys have stepped up and did a good job. And then, I mean, there's, there's guys that you look at on the staff that have pretty good numbers, but still I felt like we're inconsistent. You know, they'd have a good outing or two, and then they'd go to them in a midweek game and they'd struggle, right? Or then they'd do well in a midweek game, and you'd throw them in a weekend, and then they'd struggle, right? And, and so I felt like there's just have a lot of up and down and and felt like it was a little bit of a team that they didn't know who they could count on. Um, so, I mean, that that's, that's certainly a, a problem, right? I mean, you, you want to know who your guys are that you can lean on in leverage situations and who you can trust. And um, like I said, I felt like it was a little bit of, of up and down this year. And I mean, hopefully they can, they can continue to make strides and, and uh, like I said, have that, have that staff solidified. Um, I would say one thing with that, you're always going to have probably a guy or two that you think is going to do really well that might struggle or might have an injury, that sort of thing. And, and then you might have a guy that you don't think is, you're going to count on and all of a sudden he's performing and, and ends up being one of your dudes that, that you count on every day. So um, there, there's some of both that. You obviously hope that there's more that, that come out of the woodwork than, than uh, the other side. Jeff, it, real quick, in your long baseball career, I'm sure that you've gone through a couple slumps or slumps or inconsistencies or, or what have you. Did you have anything in particular that you would do or you would focus on to get past those inconsistencies or past those slumps? Yeah, good good question. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything in particular. It, it, it's hard, and baseball is such a mental game and, and such a tough game, and, and you're going to fail. Um, I think I think the biggest thing is not putting too much pressure on yourself. Uh, you know, I'll tell kids even now, it's like if you're in a hole, you don't you don't want to shovel as your way to get out, right? And so many times like people are in a hole in baseball and they start pressing and trying harder and they're just digging themselves a deeper hole. Uh, so it, it, it's tough, right? Because especially the competitor and as an athlete, you want to, if you're struggling, like the instinct is to want to work out of it. Um, and, and you should, but at the same time, you don't want to press. You, you can't let it get you down mentally. And um, I, I think it's just, Going out and competing every day, enjoying the game, playing the game the right way, and uh, I think if, if the mindset is I'm going to do whatever I can to help the team win, as opposed to I, I, I'm just trying to worry about my numbers, I think when you when you're focused on helping the team win, good things happen. That's Jeff Lisey, a BTN baseball analyst and, and former Husker All American. Uh, hey Jeff, thanks a lot for the time. We appreciate it. Glad we got a chance to connect here on the show. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Jeff. All right, there he goes. Jeff Lisey, uh, good stuff um, as we kind of wrap up Big Ten baseball. Incredible stuff. Uh, Nebraska baseball, I should say. There's a few Big Ten teams still in the regionals um, going this weekend. Uh, in terms of who's going to be back on this roster and who can be back on this roster, Matt, some of the guys that are um, outgoing, obviously Shea Shanneman played his last season. Uh, Jake Buns, we know, is in the transfer portal. Casey Burnham has el- exhausted his eligibility. Same with Charlie Fisher. Uh, Kyle Perry is a fifth-year guy. I don't, he may actually I, be able to come back. I, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. Um, Efri Cervantes, I think uh, he's going to be done I, I playing as know, well. Dude, this whole, COVID, this whole COVID, COVID year, year I know, I'm know. i pretty sure Kyle's in the COVID year as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think Kyle can come back for one more season. I yeah. think. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know for sure. 
So but, so those yeah. those are the guys who are either you know fifth year fifth year guys or graduate guys listed on the roster. Otherwise, everybody else is a junior or less. Yeah. Now, obviously, Bryce Matthews, Max Anderson, Emmett Olson, those, those guys are juniors. They're not coming back. They're they're going to be no. drafted. No, and, and even Swanson maybe. Dave uh, Swanson's a sophomore. Oh, sophomore! Thank God. <laughs> so <laughs> thank God I get to in, see in that guy of, play again. In terms again. of returning Woo. production in the lineup which is kind of where I want to go here. Sure. Uh, Gabe Swanson, Garrett Anglum, uh, Dylan Carey, th- those guys are going to be, I think, people that you're you're really, really leaning on next season. Other players that, that have a, a chance to kind of establish roles, Josh Karen kind of tailed off at the end of last year, but but you could, you could see him in an everyday catcher role. Um, in terms of the outfield, Luke Jessen, Cole Evans. Cole Evans had a really nice end of the season. He, he did. Was, he was the only guy who could hit against Maryland in that semifinal loss at the end of their season. Um, and and you also have uh, Daniel Young, Luke Sartori, uh, other outfielders listed there um, on the roster. Transfer portal is going to be something they're going to do in the, in the lineup, but those are guys who are on this squad this year who are going to be returning. Look, I will say this because we do have to get to a break in a second, yep. but a key guy. A massive key guy for next season, and you hope that he doesn't hop into the portal. You don't know. I mean, you, you hope no one yeah. that's coming back on the on the lineup hops in the portal. But Drew Crisco yeah. is going to be a massive, massive piece for this team next next year, especially losing Emmett Olson, especially with some of the inconsistencies they had to the pen. They're losing Chase Shanneman. Chase Shanneman yeah. was the rock of that bullpen. They're going to need another rock. They're going to need another starter, right? And I think you look at Crisco and how highly touted he was coming out of high school. Man, he had a great end of the year. Great end of the year. His last couple outings really shoved. Ended the season with a 3.24 ERA, 16.2, or 16 and two-thirds innings pitched. He's got to take that next step yeah. next season. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and, and congrats to Matthews and Anderson. Anderson's second team, All-American by Collegiate Baseball. Matthews' third team, uh, both over 20 home runs. Anderson hit 400. Bryce Matthews got the 20th steal, made the 2020 club for the first time in Husker history. It's going to be sad not seeing those guys at Haymark Park anymore. It's going to be sad not seeing them in a regional. They, they I, seriously, they should again. be playing. It's, it's really too bad. Um, not too bad for you. We've got plenty more stuff coming at you. Uh, a big discussion in kind of a broad-based college football State of the Union, so to, so to speak. NIL, TV money, uh, the SEC's cowardice. Lots to cover. Uh, All the plus, fun stuff. Jacob Bigelow is going to join us. Kasey Tomanaga gave me the best sports birthday present ever. He's coming back. So we'll talk to Jacob Bigelow about that as well coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. A lot of discussion this week, Matt, about where your team, college football, is going to be playing their games, what streaming services you're going to make sure you're, you're going to need to have, uh, what, what, how all these plans are going to be made, like... There's a lot. You have a couple Big Ten teams needing to change their travel destination around Thanksgiving. They're not playing in East Lansing. They're playing in Detroit. Uh, there's there's a lot, and, and not least of which I wanted to touch on is just uh, how cowardly the SEC is. But let's start with the, the TV side, and we'll start with Nebraska first. Nebraska now knows six, well, I not really six. This is, It says six. Purdue, there's three different times they could be playing, and you don't even know the network. I'm going to say five. Five games. Go ahead and say five. The the big one here, Nebraska is going to be opening the season Thursday night on Big Fox. They're the game Thursday night, the opening night of the college football season against Minnesota. That's where Matt Rule is starting things off. That's a big deal. Nebraska is either going to get a little bit of, uh, oh, hey, look at this team. Look at what Matt Rule's doing. Or, well, New coach, same Nebraska. You know, they're going to get a chance to set the narrative right off the bat. That's a that's a pretty big opportunity for Matt Rule and Jeff Sims and and the rest of this squad that will break down as we go through the summer. Uh, and then the the next week, Matt, they're taking on Colorado at 11 a.m. 10 a.m. local, out in Boulder, Colorado. So that that Colorado crowd will uh, have a lot less time to to fuel up those urine bombs for the Husker fans there. <laughs> here's here's a here's the thing. <laughs> Interesting question. If I were to ask Matt Rule this question, he would probably tell me, "Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah blah, blah 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 blah." But I wonder, I wonder what he would say if I were to ask him, "How do you feel about being on national television, being the game on yeah. Thursday? How do you feel about your start in a very long road?" Because he's made it very clear he's in for the long haul here. Okay, and this is. You know, the whole, is this a rebuild? Is this a refresh? Who cares, okay? This team is not where Matt Rule wants it to be, okay? Because if it was, Matt Rule wants his team to be a national champion. If it was a national champion caliber team, Matt Rule wouldn't be the coach. It would still be Scott Frost. So there's still a long road to go. I really wonder how he feels about that because I'm sure if I said it publicly, he would be like, absolutely, yes, we want to play. Yes, we want to be on the biggest stage. This is what you do it for. But I think in the, maybe in the back of if his head, if he could choose, if he could he choose, choose if I could, if I was the head coach of a football team and I could choose where my first game ever as the head coach were to be played, I wouldn't mind if it was at eleven o'clock on the Big Ten Network yeah. against a non-Big Ten opponent, against a against a team. Not to say that when you play group of five teams or, or non-power five teams, the games don't matter. They still matter. They're still one win is one win, but it definitely there's a bigger magnitude when you have a Big Ten game. I mean, that's just a fact. When you have a conference game, it's a bigger magnitude. And so I wonder what it adds pressure. you got to think it adds pressure, right? It, it certainly could if you, if you have a team that's susceptible to stuff like that, which unfortunately for Matt Rule, I think this, this roster may be a little bit susceptible to that type of pressure. They, they haven't well, really they haven't shown, well with No, it. they haven't shown that they haven't been because they went out and it was the same thing last year. Yeah. This was week zero. Nebraska versus Northwestern was 
it, I'm pretty sure the biggest game to start the year. Yeah, it was it was one of I think two Power Five versus Power Five games, and they lost to a team that didn't win a game the rest of the season. In in Europe, in Ireland, Northwestern <laughs> hasn't won a game in America in like two years. Coming from a guy from Evans, exactly. If they haven't won a game in America in two years, so. To, for for us to say, well, it's not unfair for you to say that this roster could very well be susceptible because it's not like they have a completely new roster. This isn't Colorado, okay? This is a lot of the same guys are still on this team. So I, I don't know. I think if I were the coach, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't want to be on Big Fox at 7 p.m. against a, a – Minnesota's going through a lot of turno, turnover, okay? They don't have Tanner Morgan anymore. They lost some uh, – offensive lineman they lost their bell cow in uh oh my uh ibrahim yeah mo ibrahim yep i can't believe i blanked on his name for a second they, they've lost a lot but but it still is a culture it still is a that's, system that's it's exactly still right. pj fleck knows not to say that matt rule doesn't know what he's doing matt rule absolutely does know what he's doing but he's still trying to set that Matt Rule is. PJ Fleck has got it play, set. Matt Rule's players don't necessarily know what he's going to do. Exactly. As to Flex players know exactly, exactly. what that guy's going to do. And yeah, for that reason, I think that Minnesota game is more of a worry in terms of win-loss for Nebraska than the Colorado game because that culture's there, because they haven't had a huge roster turnover, because that program is on more stable ground than Colorado's is. The other the other games Nebraska knows when they're playing now, there's two on FS1 midseason. You've got Northern Illinois September 16th at a 6 o'clock kick, and then uh, the game at Illinois on a Friday night, that's October 6th, that's also on FS1. Uh, that's a 7 p.m. Central kickoff on FS1. And then the finale, Black Friday, Iowa, that is at 11 a.m. on CBS. Nebraska has not played a game on CBS since the 2009 Gator Bowl against Dabo Sweeney as interim head coach of the Tigers and Joe Gans finishing his college career there. Uh, the other pieces to the discussion with TV You've learned more about other games in the Big Ten, how there's going to be a Maryland versus Charlotte game in prime time on NBC, because that's really the best they have that week, apparently. Um, and, and other games are going to be streaming exclusively on Peacock. This is going to be the way of the future, but Big Ten fans, think about this. It could be worse. There's reports out there about what percentage of games per con by conference that the games are being streamed on. Big Ten's only at like eight percent. Big Twelve, thirty-nine percent. Well, isn't streaming only? SEC, twenty-five percent. The Pac-12. I mean, their deal, their new TV deal that they're desperately—they're still trying to get trying them. to get done because they know that if it's not good, they it could be the end of the conference, and that's not a that's not hyperbole. Yeah. Like Pac-12, the last couple of years have become very, very like they're slowly stepping towards just not being able to call themselves a power conference yeah. because they lost their two biggest brands, mm -hmm. UCLA, USC. I mean, maybe Oregon is as big. I, I don't think there are bigger brands than UCLA or U USC in the Pac-12. Oregon, I mean, Oregon's Oregon's the, close. You know, the, the younger generation, sure. all that Oregon stuff. Talk to Jack Mitchell about that. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. And, USC and, and, and UCLA that, are the brands. And that, that deal on the Pac-12 revolves around Apple TV. Yeah. I mean, it revolves around a streaming service. I mean, the it's which so far Apple, to their credit, Apple TV's done pretty well with the MLS so far. 
they have. People are kind of skeptical about how quickly that came together, if that would actually be a good product. So far, it's been a pretty good product. Apple TV, MLB on Apple TV wasn't phenomenal. And that was the first foray into wasn't, it. Wasn't MLS phenomenal. has been a little bit better startup. Yeah, so so that is part of this deal, too, the, the streaming aspect. Um, and, and Big Ten Network has a pretty solid distribution, so that's going to kind of where be, be where the Big Ten games are, are led. They can kind of control... Uh, between Fox and Big Ten Network, which Fox owns, that they're gonna they're gonna get first dibs on those. But NBC gets those prime time games too, and CBS is gonna start getting that two thirty game too uh, next year, I believe. There was a whole complication it's, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Warren and, and the mess, and you oh, yeah. know just well, so ba- and also too, on, and now what's with yeah. all these these wussy uh, 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 Big Ten teams who don't want to play? Fall November games at night. Give me yeah. a break. Yeah. I'm sorry. You it's get, not, and it's the, not. It's not like the Northwesterns and Indianas. No, it's your Big Ten powers, Michigan and Penn State, Penn State and Ohio State. Ohio State. What? So, well, yeah. so you're telling me that if you play a game six hours later in November, that's just going to ruin your season. You're going to get more injuries. You're not going to. It's not going to be great as recovery. It's going to give you a disadvantage. Yeah. What? You would think that the people around the stadium would be like, "Heck yeah, I do that at night." Well, I'm going to make I, a lot more on the bar tabs. I, I don't, I don't understand. And like, okay, I understand the points from theory. From theory, it makes a little bit of sense, but it doesn't make any sense when it's when you just realize they're going to play the game on the same day yeah. anyway. Yeah. To be clear, this is not a hey, we Nebraska does not want to play a home game on Fridays. Yeah. They are going to stick to that because. That ruins the entire economy sure. for a week or for a weekend that Nebraska businesses count on. In exactly. But but they'll they're playing Friday night away games. Yeah. And they're playing night November games. But yeah, for for but the, the powers, but the powers yeah. can say no. I mean, it's not like they're saying, hey, by the way, like you haven't played in November before, but we're adding a November game because of it. No, no, no. They're yeah. gonna play on that day regardless, yeah. just because it's at night. You're, it's gonna ruin your seat. You don't want to do it. I don't. I don't. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't get that. Speaking of cowardice, uh, how about the SEC? Look, I will. I will be 100 percent clear on this. For years. The SEC has played the eight games versus the Big Ten playing nine games. I think yes. the Big Ten's played nine games since they added Maryland and Rutgers. Maybe it's a year or two off of that. Uh, but that, at the time, was honestly good Good on the SEC on just basically doing the smart thing and the Big Ten willingly trying to compete with the SEC with one hand tied behind their back. It was a competitive disadvantage. It was asymmetric warfare. You were going against conference with better in-state talent than your footprint and you were adding an extra conference game that lessened teams in your conference's chance of getting to postseason getting to the playoff getting a better bowl game overall setup like ultimately the amount of wins versus the amount of losses is is what you look at so at the time and and for years now it's been a competitive advantage, and I've been fine with it because the SEC has just been smarter than the Big Ten about it. Now, when you're adding two more teams, you're going to 16 teams, and you're still going to play only eight conference games? I don't know. They're going to go divisionless, which is smart because that, that's going to free up uh, a way for them to still be able to have more of those what would have been crossover rivalries. They don't want. But the fact yeah. that... like the. Yes, this might make it easier for Mississippi State to make a bowl game, but I don't think it's going to prevent 
LSU from getting into the playoff once this thing expands to 12 teams. I And, and there's other arguments out there. Well, they weren't going to get any extra money for it. They're, what what extra money do you need? Like, you're already playing, and they, oh, well, hold on. We're still playing an extra Power 5 game. There's still only two SEC teams in 2023 that are playing nine Power 5 teams, or more than nine Power 5 teams. Everybody's playing at least nine. Only two are playing 10 or 11 Power 5 teams. Every team in the Big Ten is, and most of the Big 12 and, and Pac-12 are as well, because they have nine conference games. It, it's Is it maybe still a competitive advantage? Yeah, but at this point, I think they're just running away from the competition. They, they're just looking for ways to get as many of their teams into a bowl game as possible. And it just comes off to me as, as pretty cowardly. Let me read you the Georgia football schedule yeah. for this upcoming season. The SEC power. They play UT Martin. If they, then, they, then they then play Ball State. Then South Carolina. Then UAB. Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech's their out-of-conference Power 5 game yes. that you are mandated to play as an yeah. SEC school. Georgia Tech. But then okay. read, those, read those three non-con Ball State, games. <laughs> Ball State, UT, Martin, and UAB. Woo! UAB didn't even have a football program. Like six, seven years. Yeah. 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 Let's go to Alabama. They play Middle Tennessee, South Florida, and Chattanooga. Do they have a non-SEC Power 5 game? They have uh, Texas. Oh, they, no. This year? Is, is Texas, Texas in? I think it's next year. I think you're right. I think it is next year. I think it's next year. year. Yeah. I think all that stuff rolls over yeah, to 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's still, but, that still counts. Just, I, <sighs> to be fair to Georgia, Georgia was one of the five SEC schools that did vote to go to nine games. Only five of the 14 current members did. And Oklahoma and Texas say they would have voted in favor, but they aren't yet members, so they, their vote didn't count. So Let's go to are, Ole Miss real quick. Ole Miss real quick. I'm sorry. I just love doing this because yeah, this yeah, is yeah. absolutely insane. You ready for this? Mercer, Tulane, UL Monroe. <laughs> what are we me, doing? Hey, which one of those is November 20th? Uh, November uh, November 18th is UL Monroe. Yes! So, so wait, I got to find the... Oh, and they, by the way, by the way, they also play Georgia Tech for their non-con oh, game. Gosh. Let's keep this rolling. What is, what's Auburn's schedule? I love this. This is a fun... I know we're technically in Nebraska. Not technically. We are in Nebraska podcast. Jake, Jacob Bigelow's going to have to wait. We got to figure this out. We got yeah, to figure this out. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I want to see if this gets any better. Okay, well, you know what? Auburn's a little bit better. They play UMass, California, and Samford. And then they also play New Mexico State. So UMass, Samford, New Mexico State. Wow. Yeah. And California is their their Pac twelve. They're one power five. Yeah. Well, give me one more team. Oh, let's go to LSU. LSU and then we're done. LSU and then we're done having fun. All right, I'm playing the music. Okay, I'm I know. I'm gonna play them off, folks. <laughs> I can do this all day. Okay, Florida State. Wow. For LSU. Florida okay, yeah, State. yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's respectful. Grambling State. <laughs> Grambling. Grambling, Army, Georgia State. Okay. Our army on LSU schedule. Look out. Look out. Wow. Look out, Brian Kelly. That was a great segment. Woo. Hey, you know what's going to be a uh, an elite segment? Jacob Bigelow. Talking Keisei Tomonaga. Ow! Back in Lincoln for another season. Uh, we will talk about Keisei and Nebraska ball coming up, plus Trev Albert's power move. That's all coming up here right after this. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. 
a couple days ago, May 31st. Not only was it a great day if you weren't a basketball fan, but it's a great day if you're Cole Stukenholz because it was my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. Last day of May. That's how I roll. 25? Yeah, almost. Uh, I, I'll do this with both of you. I am Justin Blatchford's jersey number. I don't. Yeah, I, you wouldn't, not, know I wouldn't know. Let's ask our next guest. Uh, he's uh, maybe not as well-versed on football as he is on basketball, but he hosts the uh, the co-host of the Nebraska Shootaround podcast as well as does writing for Huskers Illustrated. Jacob Bigelow, back on the show here on the K-Line Husker Hour. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well, Colin. Matt, how about you guys? I'm doing great. Hey, hey, you already buy your uh, DeAndre Hopkins Kansas City Chiefs jersey yet, Jacob? Is that in the mail? No, we don't want him. Oh, uh, I mean, we got, we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. It would be, it would be, a, it would be a good uh, early birthday gift with uh, with my birthday coming up here in a couple weeks. Speaking of birthdays, but uh, if go. Brett Veach if Brett Veach wants to get me a nice a nice. Uh, summer birthday gift that would be that would be very very welcomed by me yeah well well jacob the uh the the question lays before you i don't know how well versed you are on 2000s nebraska football do you remember justin blatchford or his jersey number as a former husker i do not probably like 41 39 oh 39 39 yeah 39 minus 9 is 30 and that is the jersey number of one casey tominaga what a transition who are who is uh who is up next now uh the the best fourth birthday present that i can remember in recent memory maybe ever uh he announces he's withdrawn from the nba draft process he's back in lincoln uh jacob question to you is what's it say about casey's thought process and and what's it also say maybe about fred hoiberg the fact that Casey is giving him another year uh, of his basketball playing career. I think Casey's process, obviously, it was very well thought out and pretty pretty drawn out. Obviously, since we did not hear anything um, until the deadline, um, but I kind of always got the sense that we'd see Casey back, um, especially after he didn't get invites to either the draft combine or to the G League combine. I kind of thought he maybe would get a G League combine invite. Uh, maybe an outside shot at it, but he didn't get either of those. Um, he had a couple of workouts um, with the in the, you know, the most notable being with the Indiana Pacers. But I kind of always got the sense that we'd see Casey uh, back. And uh, you know, if there's anyone who knows one, you know, connections to NBA front offices, and two, what it takes to uh, get guys to take the leap to get to play at the next level, it's Fred Hoiberg, and I'm sure that was a part of the. Uh, the pitch to Casey to stick around another year, and it was also a, a, a big pro for him uh, when he made the decision to return to Nebraska. You know, what I think is really interesting, Jacob, is that a lot of times you'll see when it, there's a big player in, in, I wouldn't say no man's land, but you don't really know what they're going to do, and the team is making massive moves without them, you know, without them for sure being around. Sometimes that's an indicator that, you know, they're willing to move on or they're ready to move on from that player. And I don't, you know, that wasn't the case at all, as we know now with Casey in Nebraska. But my question to you is, all these new pieces and this very, I want to call it a very different team, but a lot of new faces are going to be on this Husker basketball roster. How do you think Casey fits in with some of these new guys that they acquired through the portal? I think he fits in pretty well. Um, I think he would obviously slide into that uh, that two that two spot, um, and then you know they they bring in a a, pa- a pass first playmaking point guard like Aaron Euless. You know to get him the ball. Um, he's not you know Euless is not going to be uh, fighting for scoring volume or shots uh, that case they would be taking uh, in the backcourt. He's going to be a guy who who they'll look to uh, make that make that pass to Casey 
um, for, for one of those signature threes of his. Um, we've got, you know, he, he'll fit in with Bryce Williams. I think Bryce Williams, people were pretty quick to assume, oh, Kese's back. That's going to be your leading scorer by far. Um, maybe I'll be the one to, you know, say to maybe pump the brakes on he's going to for sure be your leading scorer. And maybe at the same time, I'll also take my place with my captain's hat on at the front of the Bryce Williams train. But I think, I think the two of them would be, are going to be a pretty good, pretty good one, two scoring duo, no matter what order they're in. Um, I really like what I've seen from Bryce on tape and then rink mass, rink mass gives, you know, uh, an option for Kese to feed inside or anyone else to feed inside. Um, and, um, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of options all around the court, guys that can handle the ball, guys that have their own way uh, to create their own shot, whether it's getting to the rim for a guy like Ulis or guys who thrive with the outside shot like Kese. And then, you know, I think there's some, there's some pretty interesting pieces all the way up and down this roster. Do I dare say that Nebraska basketball has depth? They just may. Um, and then, you know, they get to prepare for this foreign trip here in a couple months to, you know, see what the product could end up looking like by getting some some important playing time together overseas. That's right. I forgot about that foreign I, trip. I can't believe Jacob Bigelow just dropped the D word here about depth. depth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Matt wasn't ready for that. I wasn't. I was not. I didn't say that. I wasn't on my bingo card today. <laughs> Jacob Bigelow is uh, joining us here in Nebraska Shootaround Podcast, Huskers Illustrated writer. Uh, Jake, we've speculated, Matt and I, on this show uh, as these transfers have come in on what this starting five might look like once we get to the season. Give us your best June 3rd guess on Nebraska's starting five when we get to the season. Um, right now, as it stands, I guess I'll put my guess in as being Euless, mm. Tomanaga, Tomanaga. Actually, no. Revise that. Sorry, I lied. Lloyd. Oh, yeah, there it is. Tomanaga, Williams. Gary Mast. Wow. That just settled a 20-minute debate from like three Matt, weeks ago. Yeah, I was about to say, Matt's Woo. utterance, I think, was Ramel Lloyd related. Uh, no, it wasn't. We talked all about Euless. Oh, you're, you're a Euless hater. Yeah, that's no, right. I'm not a Euless hater. I'm not a Euless hater at all. I think he's a really good player. I just I just, I just, just questioned whether or not he would be in the in the starting five. No Jamarcus Lawrence, though, in the starting five? Uh, not, not yet. Okay. I think, I think they're gonna, I think they could treat his development. They're completely different players, obviously, but I feel like Jamarcus could be on a similar, like, case plan where we, we may be getting ready to ride the Jamarcus Lawrence roller coaster. If shots are going in, like, by all means, play them, keep them on the court. Um, but if they're, but if they're not, um, you know, who knows? We'll see. But I think they're, you know he's he's his trajectory is is still you know going up, but I think I think the I think I think his classmate in Lloyd is our, I would arguably say that he his development and what he looks like on this foreign trip and going into the fall almost intrigues me more. Yeah, so so my question is quick to Lloyd because you know people who may not be completely familiar or very familiar with Nebraska basketball may. Be like Lloyd. Who's Lloyd? He's starting. Give us a little bit of insight, you know, just quickly on Ramel Lloyd and, and what he can bring to this team next season. Um, so, from everything I've been told, you know, his decision to redshirt last season was completely and totally his. Um, he got to campus and he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to focus on 
developing himself so he was ready to be a Big Ten player. Um, so I was kind of throwing a curveball personally when I when the, it came out that he was redshirting this past year. But from everything I've seen, he's been in the weight room. He's been working on his body. And, um, I mean, he's a long, athletic you know, guard. He's got a good handle on it. He was a four-star recruit uh, coming out of Sierra Canyon in California. So he's played on big stages and showcase games with guys like Bronny James on his team and Amari Bailey, who was at UCLA this past year. So he's, he knows all about playing on big stages, playing marquee games. Um, and he just needed a, you know, it, the red shirting is kind of becoming less and less common in, uh, in, in college basketball now. But for him to make that choice that I'm going to work on myself, I'm going to develop my body and my game. And, you know, there was some worry after the season that he would, you know, find a way into the portal. And most notably, he didn't. He's still here. Um, uh, and I think that there's, there's a plan in place for him to, uh, Maybe have maybe have a, a bigger role than people would expect going into the next season. I'm very very much on Team Ramel Lloyd. I, I can't wait to see what that kid can do. Um, so uh, we we got to run, Jacob. But I just want to drop this in. Uh, don't get DeAndre Hopkins. Give all of his money to Chris Jones. Your thoughts? I wouldn't be opposed to that either. All right. I'm, I would not be opposed to that either. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of still living in dreamland. Uh, with the <laughs> you guys so, are the worst. Um, we are the worst. We are, we are the, the worst. worst. We are the worst. Can't the Bears, stand it. Hey, hey, hey! The Bears, the Bears will have their time. Don't give me the this. Bad, don't give me sympathy. Don't give me gone. sympathy. Future the bad hope. Man is gone, Matt. The bad man is gone. He's never He's gone. New York, He's never gone. He's he will New always York. be around. He will always be around. <laughs> He's never Aaron, – Aaron is never away from my nightmares. <laughs> well, we'll have to do whatever we can to get him out of there. I don't need him – I don't need him discount double-checking you in your sleep, Matt. I can't, <laughs> I can't have that on my conscience. I can't have that on my conscience. Hey, we, we, should be, we should be more sympathetic to AFC West teams who have to play against Mahomes. I mean, Aaron Rodgers pales in comparison. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So he's back to that guy. Well, well, We'll save the we'll save the gloating for the fall. Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Yes. Yeah, it's always fun. Always good talking to you, and uh, we'll be in touch soon, fellas. Thanks. Awesome. That's See Jacob. You, Jacob. Thanks a lot, uh, Jacob Bigelow uh, from Nebraska Shootaround Podcast and Nebraska uh, Huskers Illustrated writer for uh, Nebraska basketball coverage. Good stuff, as always there. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Lloyd lover. You're a Euless hater. I think we're on the same page, though. Yeah, let's we, get we let's get to the end. Let's get to the end of the show because <laughs> we can go another twenty minutes about this. Trev Albert's power move next. KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. A big thanks to Jeff Lisey and Jacob Bigelow both joining us to talk baseball and basketball respectively. If you missed them. Um, obviously, get subscribed to the podcast on your favorite feed, uh, or you can check us out over at HuskerMax or KLIN.com or on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers. Uh, hey, Trev Alberts this week, power move, uh, announced the selling of the field-level seats. That just happened, I believe, on June 1st, earlier this week, uh, and, and it paves the way to challenge the world attendance record for a women's sporting event. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, obviously, that's going to be pretty close to what will be 92,000, I think, is, one of, is where it's going to be. Uh, and, and the yet-to-be-announced uh, musical act as well should draw up some, uh, 
uh, some, some excitement when we get closer to that date. Uh, and then lastly, before we go, congrats to softball's Billy Andrews, third-team All-American, third-ever native Nebraskan Husker softball All-American, uh, and then we already touched on Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews, collegiate baseball All-Americans as well. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, position preview summer. It starts next week right here, same time, same channel. You know where to find us. Thanks a lot for joining us. As always, go Big Red. Oh,